Mike Cosper joins us to help rediscover the belief that Jesus is chasing you. It's Dawn and Steve in the morning on Moody Radio. Call or text us anytime, 800-555-7898. I think what you're going to hear today should be a great encouragement, but a challenge as well because we all find ourselves from time to time in a place of spiritual... Maybe it's just drought. Maybe it's brokenness. Mike Cosper has been there, and those two words don't even begin to scratch the surface if you're walking through that season right now. And Land of My Sojourn, it tells a lot about what, Mike, you have been through as a pastor, former pastor, now, of course, taking on some big stories. I'm so glad that you're able to share this with us because brokenness is a really difficult thing to talk about, and oftentimes because of the emotion involved in that, We don't want to look at it, and yet if we don't look at those bereft times, especially when it comes to our spiritual walk with the Lord, then it's going to take us away from Him, and we will stay very jaded toward the community of the church. How have you come out on the other side, my brother? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, sort of spoiler alert, the, the last chapter of the book is called I'm Still Here, and I think that was... Part of the surprise of the journey for me was that I, I find myself still not just in the, the church at large, but in, in the church where my story began and, um, and grateful to be there, grateful to be connected to community, grateful to have had the, the stability of that community through those years um, and, and grateful for the grace of God that just seems evident throughout, throughout the entire thing, for sure. Yeah. I think a lot of people you know, have had church hurt of sorts. But I think uh, what is intriguing to me about your story, Mike, is the fact that you're a pastor and you're very much involved in the church and in Christian community. And yet the reason that doubt and struggle and all of those things began to come is is because of the church. And uh, I think a lot of people can say, okay, yeah, I understand there there is church hurt, but take us back a little bit, if you will, when did that foundation of strong faith and I know where I stand within my church, when did that begin to get rocked? Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I'm one of these guys that grew up in the church my, my whole life and, and uh, you know, cradle Baptist, as they say, though we, we briefly weren't in the Southern Baptist convention for, well, I say briefly for about a decade, we weren't just because of the, the church situation in town. But um, it was probably, it was probably around 2011, 2012 was when my, sense of uh, my sense, you know, the way I talk about it in the book is I talk about you you have this sense of idealism, this dream of what your faith is going to be, your ministry is going to be, what the future holds for you. And it was around 2011, 2012, which was really from the outside, some of the most successful, energetic, growth-filled years in the life of our church. Um, that was when I started to realize like, Man, something's something's wrong. Something isn't working. I'm exhausted, and, and and I'm seeing people hurt, and I'm seeing friends, you know, sort of have to disappear, like leave leave the church, leave the community for various reasons, and it, you know, language that language that I would hear later in in the rise and fall of Mars Hill when I was talking to people who were involved in in that story um, was this this sense that like oh maybe we're not all playing the same game here. Maybe we're not all here for quite the same reasons. And, you know, it was, a, it was a, uh, another thing I say in the book is there's, there's this great Ernest Hemingway quote where he's, you know, he's talking to somebody and he says, you know, he asked the guy, how did, how did you go bankrupt? And the guy says, slowly, then quickly. 
And that's kind of how disillusionment happened for me. It happened very slowly, several years. And then one day, all of a sudden, it was unavoidable. You couldn't, you couldn't miss the fact that something was deeply, deeply wrong. Now, Mike Cosper, and as you hear his voice, if you've listened to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, you do hear the, the familiarity. As I'm just sitting here, kind of, I've listened to all of the, all of that podcast, and so I'm just kind of mesmerized thinking through all that we learned in that podcast, as well as now your own story. And Mike, as you started to realize that things were wrong, can can you articulate a little bit for us as we get into the story? What what were all the different things that you were seeing in hindsight that took you out of that particular church? Yeah, it you know it was um, it it was it was largely a sense that we had we had become uh, we had become an organization that cared more about growth and numbers um, than than almost anything else, you know. Um, I, I liken it to this, you know, at one point in the book, I, I liken it to the way we think, you know, we think back on Christendom in the Middle Ages, in these years where the church was about conquest, the church was about land, the church was about, we're going to conquer this nation, and we're going to send people on these crusades, and they're going to be these, you know, some of these were horrible, bloody affairs, you know, this wasn't, these weren't missionary journeys, these were military escapades. And what did they want? They wanted land. They wanted populations. They wanted to rack up fortunes. And uh, you know, ironically, in um, uh, in the church today, like the church growth movement at times, what are they? What are they about? Bigger buildings, bigger numbers, bigger bank accounts. And um, that's a that's a disillusioning thing, particularly for us as a church that began as this kind of punk rock, um, you know, punk rock movement to say, hey. We uh we we want to do things differently. We want to we want to have a different kind of community. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, you know, start with the best of intentions, and then all of a sudden it becomes feeding the beast. And mm -hmm. uh, man, if we're not careful, it can so easily get into that and disillusionment. Uh, then very often does follow that. Mike Cosper with us. He's written the book Land of My Sojourn. It's the landscape of faith lost and found and we want to connect you with mike and with this and the book is uh, out tomorrow so we'll we'll get you linked up through our facebook page don steve in the morning on facebook mike cosper is with us he's a writer podcaster with christianity today he's written the book land of my sojourn and as we talk about uh, mike how your faith was disillusioned you went through a season of, of asking a lot of questions a lot of hard questions ultimately god did kind of bring you and restore that and build that back up but a lot of us may find ourselves in a season where we're like, oh, man, I'm tired. I'm weary. I don't know that I want to, you know, keep fighting the good fight, if you will, anymore. Um, I'm, I'm questioning some of the things that I maybe once believed, or at least I said I believed. And so interesting, as you took a little retreat and you were kind of processing through the, a lot of these things with a friend, they encouraged you to go to a, a book of the Bible in the Old Testament. Where did you go and what did you find? Yeah, I ended up in the story of the book of um, the story of Elijah, and um, in particular, really, really paying attention to not just what happens. Uh, you know, we we all, if you you know, growing up in the church, you go to Sunday school, you hear the or the story of Elijah and the the prophets of Baal, and it's this it's this spectacular, you know, this spectacular account of of the glory of God. Um, uh, but he encouraged me to go to the the chapter after that, where 
Elijah, thinking that his work is done, comes to find out that there are still uh, hundreds of prophets that that want his head, and uh, that Queen Jezebel wants his head, and that his you know essentially they're telling him his days are numbered, and he he feels like I've given everything, and it was all for nothing. Uh, the, the 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 faithfulness of the people doesn't mean anything. So he runs off to the desert, collapses under a broom tree, and says, "Okay, I'm I'm ready to die. I I did my part. It didn't mean anything, you know. And and it's and it's time for me to die." And what's so remarkable about that story is um, is God's gentleness with Elijah and how he responds to him in that moment, because the first thing he does is just deals with his body. Elijah shows up and he's he's weary like this and and God lets him sleep and he sends an angel to feed him and he puts him back to sleep and he sends an angel to feed him and he puts him back to sleep and and then even after that there's this long journey um that where where God then invites him to go to essentially invites him to go to Sinai and encounter him there and and when he shows up in the cave he asks this question he says what are you doing here Elijah and I think it's the most, I mean, it's just a beautiful question. It's kind of like Jesus in the Gospels, who continually, when he encounters people, uh, looks at them and says, what do you want? And it's this this question of desire and this question of invitation. And to make a long story short, I mean, I won't preach the whole sermon here, but, uh, but, but essentially God is saying to Elijah, um, first of all, you don't know what, what you don't know. You don't know the work that I'm doing that's, that's still ongoing. And... Um, and second of all, I'm not finished yet. I'm not finished with you. I'm not finished with my people. Um, but but the encounter that he has is this encounter where there's all this noise, there's fire, there's an earthquake, there's a storm, and then God actually shows up in, in a whisper. And, and what came out of that story for me was this transition where, you know, in, in my ministry life and in, in, in my ministry career, it was all about the 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 big and the grand, you know, the spectacular and the and 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 the achievement and the the things that I could point to, um, and and in many ways that was true for Elijah. It was these incredible things he could point to, and yet what matters in the end, what matters on the other side of Sinai, what matters on the other side of that 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 failure, that that exhaustion, is hearing the voice of God in in the whisper. Um, and I think that's the I think that's a midlife transition for a lot of Christians, for a lot of people. I think it's a very normal experience to come to this place where you go, man, I'm exhausted and it nothing works anymore. Um, and and I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> and then God shows up and 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 shows up in this not grandiose way, like in a way that's truly and in, in sort of in contrast to the to the grandiose. And that's that's a deeper invitation that I think he has for all of us. He does have a deeper invitation, Mike, for all of us. And I wonder in this journey, as you found yourself just broken and disillusioned, dry, and wondering, Lord, where are you? Was there ever a point in that journey where you realized where you had fallen short and you had to ask the Lord just to not only create in me a clean heart, but was there ever a time of repentance that you needed mm-hmm. to say, I got it wrong? Oh, for, oh, for certain. And I think that's that's one of the things I labor for in the book is to make sure, you know, it would be very easy. And, and I think this is a, a temptation for a lot of um, uh, for a lot of Christians who come out of difficult church situations is to walk out and say it was all that guy's fault, you know, um, and 
and frankly, you know, it was one of the things I admired in in making the rise and fall of Mars Hill was how quickly so many of the people that I talked to who were part of the leadership of that church, how quickly they were able to say, you know, it was me too. Like I wanted this. Like I wanted the the power, I wanted the glory, I wanted the success, I wanted the rest of it. And so, yeah, it's it's very easy for me to look at it and say, partially it was the idealism and partially it was Oh gosh, I don't even know how to how to phrase it, but, um, but yeah, essentially to say, absolutely, the repentance was all the way through the entire experience. The accountability that we have in our walk with Christ and His grace to meet us even in our brokenness—that is what Mike Cosper is sharing with us. Land of my sojourn, the landscape of a faith lost. And found, you know, there's more to this story. There's probably a lot to your story as well that you will resonate with, Mike. Connecting you through our Facebook, easy to find Don and Steve in the morning. We all find ourselves from time to time questioning our faith and looking to the Lord for big answers, maybe even skywriting. And sometimes he'll do that for us. Other times he'll just gently bring us back to his word and who he is. Mike Cosper has been on his own journey, and I love the title of the book, Land of My Sojourn, The Landscape of a Faith Lost and found, and you may know Mike's voice from The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, the podcast that kind of brought your name uh, to a different level in Christendom, Mike. Uh, But I want to go back to the journey and the heartache and where Golgotha and the silence of God would meet you in this, because oftentimes I think, well, Lord, just, you know, take us to your word. But when we're broken like that, picking up a copy of the Bible is really difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I, I had a conversation with somebody a, a couple months after I'd finished writing the book, and it was, it was one of these things where you hear something and you go, "Gosh, I wish I'd heard that when I was writing the book," because they put it so perfectly. He he said um, he said, "You know, I, I read the book, and and my reaction to it was um, that that what you're saying here is uh, your dreams are going to break, uh, and it's going to be terrible, but it's also going to be the best thing that ever happened to you, right?" And I was like, that's the book. That's the point, you know, um, uh, stop the presses, you know, whatever. But, um, but I, but I think that's kind of, so, so that's that, that moment that the dream breaks is so critical. And so, so, so part of what happens with the book, what I'm, what I'm doing with it is a sort of part memoir. And then, and then parallel to that, I'm really looking at the life of Peter and, and then Elijah is in there. It was kind of a weird thing that happened where I, I went to, I started with Elijah and then it was the transfiguration that brought me to Peter because there's this crossroads where Peter in the most glorious part of, of the life and ministry of Jesus is the transfiguration and Elijah's right there. And it was something about Elijah being there in that moment that, that suddenly Peter's story started to make sense for me in a new way because I understood Elijah in this hero story as well for so much of my life. So you imagine Peter in this place where he's grown up longing for the, 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 the liberation of Israel from Roman occupation. And he knows these stories of the past of Elijah who came and helped to liberate uh, the kingdom, you know, from, from the prophets of Baal. Um, and he sees Elijah and he thinks all his dreams are coming true in, in the life of Jesus. 
And so a lot of the book is kind of trying to understand how those dreams get built and and how those fantasies get built and where you see the dream start to break and and really the spell sort of start to break from it is at Gethsemane when Peter reaches for his sword and he cuts the ear off the servant of the high priest and Jesus tells him to put the sword away and he heals the high priest and then he's led away in chains. And, And from that moment forward, you know, I, I genuinely believe Peter cannot understand, he cannot comprehend what it is that he's looking at from there. And and I even do a little bit of a dive in the book into, you know, the, the famous incidents where, where Jesus, uh, where Peter denies Jesus three times. You know, we think of that. I grew up in churches where it was like, don't be like Peter, you know. Um, are you going to deny Jesus when when the moment is on the line? And I think there's some. Don't get me wrong. Like I think that's an important thing to an important frame to think about, and and there's some truth to it. But I also think the story, like take, if you if we take the story for what it is as a human drama, what happens with Peter is perfectly comprehensible. Like denial is the first stage of grief, and I think he's genuinely looking at Jesus, who he thought was Elijah, who he thought was going to be this liberator, and going. I, I don't even know this man. I don't know what I'm looking at. I cannot comprehend any of this. And so if there's anything in the book that I hope it, you know, connects with people is that, man, that kind of disorientation is very, very normal. Hmm. And so when that disorientation hit you, Mike, mm-hmm. you know, you've talked a little bit about going to Elijah and seeing Peter, but then there's, a, in a sense, the recovering or the rebuilding of that faith mm-hmm. once again. How did that begin to, how did the Lord begin to rebuild your faith back up again? You know, it, 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 for us, it was, my wife and I um, both, it was, it was, it was in community. It was realizing when, when, you know, there was another sort of crisis, another sort of loss, kind of, kind of, there was a tipping point, I guess I'll say, where we sort of looked at each other and said, man, I, I don't know how we do this alone. We can't do this alone. And we took the risk of reaching out to some old friends and their grace to us and and hospitality to us and generosity to us was truly life-changing and and truly sort of brought us back into the church, brought us back into uh, trust and and really was a the first step on a, on a long road of healing. Because you'd lost your your community, right? At the church that yeah. you were leaving, you had lost that and rebuilding that. I mean, do you, do you ever go back and talk to any of those folks? Yeah. I mean, most of them, most of them now, I mean, that's, what's remarkable about the, the experience was, so, so I left the church staff in 2015 and then in 2017, uh, our, our lead pastor, you know, was, was removed from leadership. And throughout that process, it was so divisive for the church. From the moment I left in 2015, we felt isolated and mm-hmm. and we felt really lost and in fact there were many you know because of the unhealth of the circumstances we were blamed for some of the division that happened after he was removed um and so so there was yeah there was a significant period of isolation but but after that you know after that risk there was this sort of slow process where we all slowly kind of came back together reassessed the story and found ways to reconcile and and uh, and reconnect. It was, yeah, an incredible grace. There's 
so much to the story that we're probably not going to have time to unpack. Well, we, we won't have time to unpack. So it's in the book, Land of My Sojourn, The Landscape of Faith Lost and Found, written by Mike Cosper. We've got a little bit more time with Mike, uh, so stay with us here on Moody Radio. If you've got a question or comment, feel free to text in 800-555-7898. Well, Mike Cosper is with us. He is a writer, podcaster. He's with Christianity Today. He's written the book uh, that we're talking about this hour, Land of My Sojourn. It's the landscape of a faith lost and found. And Mike, you uh, were talking about how it was in part community that God used to keep your faith grounded. Uh, you didn't abandon the faith whatsoever. And I know just from listening to the podcast that you hosted, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, that the church is precious to you. And there there had to have been at least some sort of temptation, though, after being hurt by the church, to walk away from the mm-hmm. church and say, okay, I still love Jesus, but do I have to really be a part of the church anymore? Why, why did you continue to persevere showing up at church week in and week out? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and I don't know that I have a precise answer for it to be totally, to be totally honest with you. Um, the, the thing I point to in the book that, that, um, that was transitional for me was, was two, two events that happened, one in 2020 and one in 2021. Um, the first was the death of a of a friend, a guy named Darren Patrick, who was a, a pastor and a very influential, you know, leader in Acts 29 and different places. And and it's a long story in terms of how he and I were connected. He was actually removed from ministry as well in 20, I believe 2015. Um, and so there's there's all kinds of irony in my friendship with Darren. I mean, I was somebody who uh, left church ministry because of being wounded by an unhealthy church culture. And he was somebody who a lot of people in his church blamed for an unhealthy church culture. And he and I uh, connected in that s- sort of a wilderness season. And it it was it was very important to me. It was a, d- a very important friendship to me. Um, and then a- about a year later, a little, a little less than a year later, uh, my father passed away suddenly. Uh, we didn't know he had cancer. Um, he, yeah, long story short, and and we went from in about six weeks, we went from him getting sick to not, and us not knowing what was wrong to him passing away. Hmm. And, uh, um, and, and so it was those encounters with death and, and particularly, particularly the death of my father was this moment where I, where I finally came to understand what, what the word grief meant, because I'd had counselors and pastors and different people over the the years, you know, basically telling me, if you want to move through the wilderness season, you have to learn how to grieve. And I was like, I don't, I don't even know what grief is. Losing my dad in particular and having this, having this realization that like, I'm not going to pick up the phone and call him the next time something, you know, then the next time I see a Jerry Seinfeld joke that makes me laugh, like I can't text it to him anymore. He's not, he's not there to do it. It, it, you, you begin to understand closure in a different way. And what that allowed me to do was to realize that this season of of ministry, this season of of church life and community that had been so beautiful and brilliant and so important to us, um, it it's not that it was it's not that it was all false and that it was all fake and it was all, you know, I didn't have to re-narrate all of that. But the other thing I the other thing I couldn't do was scheme to rebuild it, scheme to make it happen over again, figure out how do we go back to that place? How do we, 
you know, and and I and so the grief is letting go of that season, like letting it be beautiful for what it was, but realizing that whatever church is for for us now, it's going to be very different, and the idealism is gone, and that's good and bad. Um, um, but it's it's embracing sort of the the present and the 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 yeah, embracing the present for for what it truly is. I appreciate that you have taken on your story and what God has woven through teaching you and meeting you in these dark times, Mike. And yet telling that story is so very important. I think often we're still learning that we have to confront some of these things, own up to where we need to own up and repent and also acknowledge, hey, these folks hurt me. And I need to be able to grieve that as well as process the forgiveness. And I know you would probably say, yes, that's super important. But there are many of us that have been hurt by church that are still like, nah, I'm just leaving. What would you say to that person? Yeah, I mean, part of it is that that it's hard to it's hard to understand the idea of being a Christian without community. Um the, the church is a body. The church is, you know, one body, many parts. I mean, there's all the different illustrations. And the church has always been, you know, kind of jacked up. Like Paul's letters, Paul doesn't write to happy, healthy churches where everything's going great very often. Uh, maybe the book of Colossians, like, might be the one example. But even there, he's going, I'm going to sort of, you know, Dallas Willard said, that's the that's the one where he he backs the truck up and and drops the whole load all in, in as, as dense a, a thing as possible because he's, he's worried about making sure that they understand the gospel. Um, community is difficult. It's messy. And, and, and we need to lose the idealism. But we also need each other. We need the friendships um, because ultimately the friendships were the things that endured beyond the the hype and success and and excitement of a of a big growing church. Mm-hmm. Oh, so very true. Well, Mike Cosper tells his story in Land of My Sojourn, the landscape of a faith lost and found and we have connected you to it through our Facebook page. It releases tomorrow, but what a powerful story and grateful Mike for your time. It is Don and Steve in the morning.